heard about those guys, the paper boys. Gosh, you really don't want to fuck with them. The paper boy, yes, God bring me. Welcome to No Cap Radio. Sit back, pour yourself a drink, and then enjoy this moment brought to you by the Paperboy Club. Let's rise and shine. Hey, so you go. How are you doing? Hey, I'm good, man. Thank you. And you? Good too. Thank you. It's a pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you so much for taking this It's time. Pleasure is all mine, man. Really glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So you're a well-known member of the Genuine and Dead community, but you're also, and first of all, an artist. You wrote a comic book called uh, Lane the Neon Warrior, inspired by the Genuine and Dead uh, lore. You also play in a drum and bass band, a duo called Hallucinator. We will yeah. talk about all this. But to start, can you introduce yourself? Who, who you are? Where are you from? Since when are you into Web3? Okay, so yeah, my name is Simone. Saigo for everybody. Since when I was a kid, it's just a name taken by my surname, which is very long, so nobody really can spell it. So yeah, Saigo is a lot simpler. Basically, I live in Italy in uh, near Parma, and uh, since like I was a kid, I was always attracted by music and uh, comic books. I remember like I was collecting comic books when I was really a kid, Spider-Man, all the Marvel issues I had. I still have a lot of comic books in my house. In the same time, I was playing guitar, and then I joined a few bands. I was also DJing back then because I always had the passion to rap, even with very sketchy stuff. I used to interact with records by using two cassette players, one in front of the other and adding some noise to that, maybe trying to loop uh, stuff. It was like in the early 90s, in the late 80s. So a long time ago, I was figuring out how to create my beats and stuff like that. And I remember I little mixtape and uh, this mixtape allowed me to play for in a club at the age of 16. So it was really cool because all my friends were coming there and I was the DJ. <laughs> That's really nice. But at the same time, when grunge came, I was really attracted by those sounds. So I joined a band and I played the guitar and the second vocals in there. We were like influenced by Alice in Chains and later on by Korn and stuff like that. But I always liked also to, to draw, so I purchased the ink and the actual pen to start drawing. I was creating some characters back in the days, and I was I had the pleasure to meet a guy who was writing real comic books for the biggest uh, editor in Italy, which is Bonelli Comics, Marty Mister, Dylan Dog, and all that stuff. And but I couldn't really work for them because like he asked me to do one year of drawing porn <laughs> for a little label so he could like see if I could uh, stand with the timing they gave me with everything and be there a year later and uh, learn anatomy and all that stuff. But I was really young. I was going to the university. So I was drawing at the university. 
It was really uncomfortable for me, you know, like to draw porn <laughs> comics. I said no, but yeah. But I always wanted to do something. I have a character, I have a story to tell. Yeah, I mean, that was really my dream. In, uh, but I never had a real original story because sometimes you need to read a lot and see a lot of movies and, you know, essentially live your life in order to find something that really has a meaning. But yeah, going forward with my life, I started listening to drum and bass. And of course, I already had a full-fledged studio where I also worked for other people. So my IRL job is basically mixing and mastering in my studio for, nice. you know, especially metal bands but i also do pop or rap or everything really and yeah i mean knowing a little bit of the technology and back in the day as i said before to you you don't have youtube you don't have tutorials you have to really learn by maybe buying books or trying for yourself and that's a long learning curve today it's really easy to learn something but at the same time you develop your own kind of way your kind of style of doing things and so maybe it's longer but it's more something that you build for your own and there's pro and cons to everything but I think I learned my way and uh, slowly but surely when I heard those sounds of drum and bass I was hooked so I tried to replicate the stuff. I remember this opportunity for a contest back in the days to remix a very famous Italian band, which is called 99 Posse, 99 Posse in Italiano. And at the same time, I was in a forum with uh, a lot of DJs already making drum and bass. And I remember everybody did their own uh, track for this contest. I was only lurking. I wasn't even writing there. And I remember I won the first <laughs> the first uh, prize. So he nice, went. Congrats. Uh, yeah, thank you. I went on the record and they offered me another remix uh, in their second release. So it kind of started in this way. So I believed in myself because if famous band wants my remix, then maybe I can do it. So I started doing my own productions and I started first with another guy, not with Hallucinator. And I remember in those days, I was always in London, like buying records and I got in touch with all the community of drum and bass, all the artists. I knew everybody. I was like entering in clubs for free. And uh, yeah, I mean, and then uh, this project stopped, but uh, luckily I knew this guy from Hallucinator. I already started his project with uh, other guys, but those guys were really committed. So we decided to join forces. So back in uh, 2010, 2011, we started with uh, this project. And right now we kind of find each other. Like he's doing some stuff that I really don't do that well. And I do the, the rest. Friendship became like a brotherhood. So, and it became quite a success in some countries, especially after we did this tune called Raise Your Middle Finger, which we did like nine years ago already. That tune became really big. And as I always say, in those situations, in uh, when you are a producer, you only need one track. 
that really makes it big to carry your career, you know. Once you get in the mind of the people and the promoters notice you, you have to keep your position, continue produce good stuff, but you already have your foot in the industry. So that's when we got that tune, we started having bookings all around the world and, uh, and big festivals. And we continue doing this until now. So yeah, basically this is my story, especially about music <laughs> it's regressed a little bit but yeah going back to Lane the Nihon Warrior as I told you I always wanted to, to write maybe a book or a comic book or something like this and I remember like when I found out about Genuine Undead I mean because at first to me, like when I saw on OpenSea the nature logo behind the name, I thought it was something more like uh, fantasy stuff. Uh, the wolf uh, <laughs> thing on the head was kind of thinking this is about uh, spells and magic and stuff like that. But then when I clicked on the project, I was like really surprised because behind the fact that there's a trade called the tea trait with the hair like that is really like my haircut so when I looked uh, at <laughs> some of these PFPs it kind of it was like kind of looking in a mirror so I was completely hooked about this thing and also about all the references about movies and pop art and basically culture you know in general especially those references weren't really new so you see Dirty Harry you see Akira trait you see some stuff that you have to be if you know them either you are curious about 90s stuff or even 70s stuff or you have to be born a little around those ages to be young already uh, but alive and looking around you so that was really amazing because it was really a different project I didn't really like pixel art at the time I was more into 3D or stuff like that but this kind of yeah the way the artist was able to replicate those traits that instantly reminded you of some precise thing like even the Clark when you see a Clark He's Clark Kent, but with very few pixels, he was able to do this thing, you know, and so I was really hooked. And I remember I bought a couple of PFPs and I kind of listed them 4X or something like this and went to bed and I, he woke up like I already sold both of them. And so I was like, shit, I have to be in this project. So the third one that I bought was this neon paint guy and the thing of the neon really caught my eye because they were looking very different from everyone else in the collection and they were looking to me like a, a squad of crazy guys and then i thought like if chaos has a face paint maybe these guys are his army the story was born right there when I bought this PFP that I later called Lane. And I started thinking about a story about him and chaos and this thing happening in the future. And I remember back in the day, we were talking like in the councils or even in spaces about creating a lore. And I remember writing down a document because back in the day, I was only in the music council. 
And that document caught the eye of Mason, I guess, the lower council. So I went in there and I remember those days where we kind of talked about how to create this universe and how this universe could have rules or whatnot. Are these genuine undead the only people in, in the world? Or there's also humans. And what about if there are humans, what they say when they see a school person walking around? That all those kind of problems. And yeah, that I remember nights talking with the guys, with Steven and Mason, like for four hours, six hours even. And was really amazing. And of course, that went in a separate way because, of course, when you have a story like Steven has for the G-Universe, it's your story and you want to develop it in the way that you want as well as I had my story and I wanted to develop in the way that I want. And I bring this thing to the discussion here because to me, sometimes when people face a moment like that, when you, it's clear that if you want to continue your thing that you're doing, you have to work on it alone or find a team or something like this because the other people it's not that he hates you you know but he has the time that he has and he has his team and it works so sometimes people take this situation in a bad way they give up or they say oh they rejected me or, st or stuff like that when in reality it never happened like i'm still talking to mason every now and then i ask him for feedback and he's, he's amazing because he finds the time to talk to me, to share things with me. But of course, it's like hallucinator. It's me and Luca Lodi. Uh, we are hallucinator. But maybe a friend of mine does drum and bass and he's a real friend. But if he asks me, can I be hallucinator? I have to say no, because hallucinator is already this. But that's not the meaning. It's not that you don't have to do your music your stuff, whatever you want to do, go for it. And I see sometimes in Web3, because maybe people is young or it's their first place where they have to create a brand for themselves or interact with people in a certain way, people that you don't really know or stuff like this, and they take it too personal. And sometimes yes. it's, it's really a pity because if you have an idea, sometimes you give up on it and you blame other people. And that's not the thing to do. You know, you just have to work harder because everybody's working hard. If your idea is cool and you work on it, you don't need anyone or you maybe need somebody else. That's, that's just my idea. Yes, I see what you mean. I just want to get back um, a little um... Because you talked about your influences, you talk about Alice in Chains and Korn, and I listened to those band also back in the days. And you have both in uh, Lane the Neon Warrior, and your music are very powerful and dark at the same time. I was listening today to some of your music, like uh, Satanism, Raise Your Middle Finger, you talked about it, NYC Punk, I like this one too. Okay. What were your early influences about visual art and music? Okay, well, about music, I remember the first band that I really decided to listen to autonomously was Guns N' Roses, I guess. Oh, yes. But, and yeah, they were really amazing, you know, they were legends. And I remember for a brief period of time, I considered myself a metalhead. I had these bands like Iron Maiden and all that stuff. But later on, I started listening a lot to hip hop as well. So. 
I started with uh, Run DMC, Beastie Boys and all that 80s stuff. And when I found out about Public Enemy, uh, like I, re- I really was hooked. And there's a lot of Public Enemy, especially the second half, which the name is Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back. That album is a masterpiece. And you can find some tunes which are really ahead of their time. You can hear corn music in there, like really to away some style from the album as well as the Rage Against the Machine. Basically, the guitar player tried to replicate all the music and the samples and the scratching by Public Enemy. And if you listen to that album, it's really ahead of its time. Before, there were Run DMC and then there was Public Enemy. And after Public Enemy, all the gangster rap came out copying or inspired by Public Enemy. NWE is basically the same stuff as Public Enemy. And yeah, that was like a really milestone for me in music and I remember back in the day before Korn came out there was the same label that later got the first Korn album out it was called Immortal Records joint compilation where they had act collaborating with a metal act so there were like Booya Tribe and Faith No More a lot of those bands in the 90s playing together yes, with that was a Judgment Night soundtrack right? yeah yeah that's an, an amazing record as well that's one and, of the yeah. best record ever in my opinion yeah i, yeah, I yeah. think i bought it four times <laughs> really <laughs> that was really an amazing album that gave the start of corn and limbiscuit and everything came they all come from this record in my opinion yes that was the best band and all the crossover album that was crazy <laughs> crazy in my opinion the soundtrack is way better than the movie Yeah, I never saw the movie. <laughs> I did. Oh, really? The soundtrack is still better. Yeah, yeah, it's an amazing album. Yeah, of I course. Uh, so, yeah, well, that's the, basically my music influence. And also, of course, Lane Staley and Alice in Chains played a big part in my music influences the voice of Lane Staley is unmatched and will never be matched again, I think. And to me, that was the best Seattle band that came out in that period of time. I also, of course, love Nirvana and especially Soundgarden as well. I'm not too fond of what was the other band, like, uh, I don't remember the name. <laughs> well, b- but yeah, Soundgarden and Nirvana and especially Alice in Chains were my favorite of the, uh, this time period. And mainly music, that's it, you know, but I listen to everything, of course. And when I started producing drum and bass. My influences were, the biggest influence was Bad Company. Okay. I don't know if you know about them, but the main guy there is called DJ Fresh. He's a friend of mine and I knew him uh, in London and he's an amazing guy. He's, he's, right now he's, he's creating voice swap plugin that allows you, you know, you sing a track in your song and then you light up this plugin and it, with AI, he modeled real singers, okay? So you can swap your voice for a professional singer male or female saying the exact word you're saying in your song so this is an amazing plugin and he's working on this thing at the moment he's a genius and he's 
Basically, the plugin allows you to pay the, the royalties directly to the singer involved. When you choose the singer, you're going to pay that singer. So the plugin is free, but you're going to pay only when you use a, a voice, you know, and you publish it, not just to, you know, to try it. So it's, it's an amazing concept. And, well, uh, of course, all the pioneers in there, uh, Ronnie Size, Goldie, yeah, I mean, and uh, all the new names um, that came after them. Of course, I'm, I'm deeply involved in, in the drum and bass scene. I, I don't want to make too many names because, you know, I would have to make too many of them, but it's an amazing community because it's not that big uh, like house or techno where politics and money really counts too much you know and you have to be it's really enough uh you know democratic and uh, meritocratic so if your music is good you're going to you know go somewhere and especially in czech republic and in that area of europe the promoters are really listening to the music you know they are part of the scene so they want you they book you if they like you, not just if you do numbers, you know, they uh, even better. They want to book you when you're still little so they can make business with you in a longer term, which is amazing to me. And unfortunately, in Italy, it, that thing doesn't exist because, yeah, I mean, in Italy, they all think uh, about the, the revenue uh, in five years, you know, so. Yes, that's, but it's really cool. uh, is still about uh, big numbers. I mean, you, you have a lot of uh, streamings on uh, Spotify. Yeah, well, we are not like paying, uh, you know, there's people that, I mean, that's not the, the same number that we do live because maybe you have more people in the room, but they have like 10 times uh, the streaming we have. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that buys you know, listens and stuff like that. We don't do that. So everything you see is organic. And we are, yeah, I mean, I think we always wanted to do what we like, you know. So the, the problem in drum and bass is that many producers try to replicate the sounds of the first, like, 10 artists on the, um, the scene. charts, you know, on the yes. charts in the stores. So basically you have a lot of copycats. But, you know... What's the oh, point? Yeah. I mean, it, where when you have Noesia or, you know, guys like that doing those sounds as pioneers, there's place for them and a few others. And then what's the point, you know? The thing is, uh, labels uh, encourage this behavior too a little bit because they want to sell music, you know, so they want to sell popular sounds and stuff like this. So we always had a little bit of difficulty finding labels that want to put our music out in a way. But the other side of the story is we always been kind of original, if I may say. And this really resonated with the, the people. So maybe we struggle having our music on a label, but then when it's out, it's out, you know, and it's, you don't really gain a lot of money by, you know, selling records nowadays, but you can live by playing, you know, in parties, in clubs, in festivals. So we, I think we have a lot of following and real good fans that want to see us, you know, and we offer a really different performance than most DJs. 
because we play 99% is our music. We have our mask and we move a lot. Like a, it's like a metal concert, you know. It's some the, most people say we are the, um, the Slipknot of drum and bass, and I, I yes, like that sure. comparison, you know, because most of the DJ they just like you know they play the music, they don't move, but it's okay, you know. I mean, everyone has a style, but um, luckily we have ours, which is mm, pretty recognizable. We have our brand with the mask and stuff like that. And that helped us also sell quite some numbers in uh, T-shirts and, you know, and uh, merchandise. And, and this thing basically became uh, the thing that I do for a living. So it's really great, you know. It's, it's not a given. If you, especially if you embark in a music career, it's really difficult to make it a real living out of it. So, yeah. Yes, of course. I saw on, um, on YouTube some of the uh, footage of your shows and... Uh, Indeed, it's a real show. It's not uh, just uh, about playing music. You run a real show and the crowd seems to go crazy on your show. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I wanted to, you now um, work as a sound engineer in a studio, right? Yeah. That uh, sounds like a, a dream for a job. Uh, what would be your uh, advice for someone who would like to embrace this kind of career? I mean, become a sound engineer and work with bands in a studio. How should they start to ah, succeed? Uh, well, yeah, when I started, the, the things were very different from now. Right now, there's a lot of more competition, you know, and not just by other engineers or musicians, but also by, you know, services online and stuff like this. So um, back in the day, you could start with very little equipment, you know. If you were able to record on a eight-track uh, cassette recorder with a, a few microphones, people like bands would come to you because they only know you, you know. But nowadays it's this very different. Like people record in their home, you know. They record the guitar, they they record the, their bass, they do MIDI drums. <laughs> And maybe you, you can get called for mixing or if you have a studio, somebody will come for recording the vocals. We have also musicians that come to record all the record with us because yeah, they understand that when you are at home, like with a guitar and you record yourself, you're not really, you cannot really be a critic of yourself, you know, so you, you let something wrong pass a lot you know but instead if you come here you have a, a person that records you and they he will say like let's do it again and then we will cut and paste thing for you and make it really faster so it's better in the you know in the long run it's going to be a better record but yeah to make it in this industry Uh, it depends. I mean, if I would start now, I wouldn't start like an engineer. I would start like a musician, like a producer. And I would like try to really grasp uh, the basics of producing with synths, with soft synths and mixing as well. There's a lot of interesting courses around. And even on YouTube, you can find a lot of uh, tutorials on how to make this sound and that sound. So learn a lot of how to replicate music of others at the beginning and then try to break those rules and do something original. And then, you know, like uh, go out there and basically give your stuff to every label possible. That is what I would do right now. Many people do the mistake of they want to start with DJing. 
because DJing is easier, you know, but nobody will book you if you're just a DJ and you're not a producer because people want to hear music from a producer. And it's tough to say you can be the best DJ doing tricks, whatever you want, you know, but if you're not a producer, they will book you in your hometown maybe, but not, you know, overseas or in another country, you know. So the best thing is to start making music, good music that people want to hear, you know, that people want to bang on. And then, um, you know, like uh, go to every fucking uh, inbox or every fucking label around until somebody answers you. Like start uh, like uh, little, maybe with not the biggest um, label in the world. So maybe they give you lower deals, but in the end, you have something out, you know. And when you have something out and it's in front of people, then you can start building on that and maybe start learning how to DJ and, you know, offer yourself as a DJ producer and stuff like that. But first of all, like, learn to do good music. That's because I meet a lot of people, you know, and they give me their, uh, they give me their mixtape. Yes. I'm not interested in hearing a mixtape I'm interested in hearing your music because if I like it I will play it so you also can go to DJs as well with your music and if they like it they will play in front of the public and if your music is heard then people will ask uh, you know online what is this song this piece what, what is it what's the title a lot of people is very passionate for this kind of music and want to know the titles the the artist uh, and so you can start you know some some noise even in this way so yeah so and to make i guess that to make good music you have to grow yourself a very strong um, musical culture so listen to lots yeah. of good music right exactly. like, like you like you said you you spent uh, years listening to all the best uh, bands in all the different uh, music style yeah 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 that that's what really helped us uh, also luca which is the other guy in Lucinato, was in bands he was more like uh, you know brutal <laughs> stuff like uh, you know death metal uh, or even you know like um, grindcore stuff like that but he's also like uh, big on melodic uh, intros and you know trance music he's been a, a trance producer before being a, a drum and bass producer so we have a lot of inspiration from uh, all different angles you know and th this really comes to really handy when we start a new tune because we can have different ideas we can take a different approach and we know each other really well so i know what he's capable of he knows what i'm capable of and we bounce uh, ideas so yeah yeah of course the more you know about music the best of course but when you start yeah i mean when you start learning production I think the best is still trying to copy first because you learn the basics. You know, like you listen to a tune and you hear the sub. Try to replicate the deepness of that sub bass, you know, because if you don't have that sub bass in drum and bass, you won't make it, you know. So to st start learning about how to replicate a snare a drum because snare drum in drum and bass is really important. It's like your signature. So we have our... Our snare, like we, we don't have one snare, but when you hear 
our music, you say, oh, this is Hallucinator Snare, you know? And that's what differentiates you from a ton of other people. And that's amazing because, like, people really come to us after the show and they say, like, to us, they say, like, you have this, you know, when you listen to a tune, it's a, a Hallucinator tune because you hear this snare, you hear this, those sounds, you hear the intro. And it's amazing to see that people really recognize that sometimes... We belittle people, you know, we belittle the public. We say, ah, people is dumb, but people, no, people, even people that don't really know music, you know, they can feel music, you know, maybe they don't know how you make this sound of that or that sound, but they feel if something is good or, or not, in my opinion, so... Yes, for sure. And uh, at this point, I uh, invite uh, ev everyone to... To go listen to Hallucinator, uh, easily findable on uh, Spotify. And uh, anyway, we will add the link for everyone to to find this. So drum and bass uh, is uh, very speed, very dark, and uh, I guess it's very technical to produce. How is your producing uh, process to, to make the music? You you start as a guitarist, but now what kind of uh, tool, software, or um, equipment do you use to produce your music? Oh, well, uh, so the software, is uh, we do everything in Logic uh, on a Mac, and uh, it changed uh, through time, you know, our way to produce. At first, we, like, the thing is, uh, it's always the idea first. So, especially, is the intro or melody or something that really stands out, because we don't tend to you know, make fillers or, you know, DJ tools or groovy music, you know. We tend to create something that really resembles a song, you know. So we need to have an idea that gets in the minds people, you know. And so maybe it's, it's a phrase like raise your middle finger, you know, or it's a, a, a melody or something that really catches on our imagination. Then we have uh, a few templates already. So uh, in the beginning, we started from scratch and it was really terrible because you have this idea, and but first you have to put all the samples there and all the plugins, and then it doesn't sound right, and then you tweak, and then and, and you forget the idea, you know. But right now, what I do, I start up template and in this template in this project i already have uh, the drums i already have the sub i already have a few basses i already have a few synths uh, with different sounds you know i already have all the basses with uh, for the vocals with the compression with the eq already set up and i already have also the mastering in there so when i start mm, like playing a few beats and putting a line of bass uh, behind it it already sounds good you know and when you mm, decide to write down that particular idea that you have it's really quick you know because if it's a melody you play it on a, on a synth and it's already there then we change uh, the parameters, you know, maybe we change the snare, maybe we change the kick and uh, we tweak uh, the bass and stuff like that until it sounds right for that particular piece of music. But the thing is, uh, starting from a template, you can start and finish a, a song in one day, you know, in instead of one month, you know, because and the other thing which is really cool 
is the starting by something that you already made, you know, that's it's a template, yeah, but maybe it's, it's taken from a, a, a song that already worked and that is one of your songs. So basically you will carry the main uh, sound because you have all this compressor working in a certain way. We, you have the mastering, you have a few EQs already set up. So the imprint of your sound is already there. So you start making more cohesive piece of music that stay well together, you know? So it, it kind of builds on your style. So when you put a tune out, it sounds like you more. It's not like you make a tune and the other one sounds completely different in the spectrum as well, you know, like uh, treble, middle and bass are already like kind of in a way they're already similar, you know, so that's really helpful. Yes, I see. I, I wish we could uh, play an extract from uh, Raise Your Mutual Finger, but I don't know if uh, Spotify allows you, uh, allows it allows us be because of the IP rights, you know, but yeah, yeah, I invite, uh, once again, everybody to, to go listen to your music and let's talk about, uh, a little about, uh, Elaine, the neon warrior. I had yeah. a blast, um, reading, uh, the, the comic while listening to the music. I think it matches perfectly, but yeah, both. I was reading this, uh, while listening uh, to your music. So you told us um, what inspired you. That was the, the PFP of this uh, yeah. Neon uh, Chenyun Undead. How would you pitch the story? It's a very dark and um, backdrop. Uh, it, it stands in uh, Tokyo in 2043. Yeah. Yeah. How would you describe uh, the, the story and um, how came the idea for this story? Yeah, well, I'll, what can I say? The first episode was really written uh, almost like eight months ago, I guess. I wanted to create a story not too far away in time, in the future, but not too far away. Because, like, to me, the best dy dystopian stories are the near future story, you know, because if you write a story in uh, 5,000, uh, whatever, you know, there could be like uh, aliens around and it, it becomes more a fantasy story, you know, like Star Wars. Yeah, it's amazing, but it's not really relatable to you. But a story 20 years uh, in the future, you might see that you know so it's it's kind of it's different but it's more relatable i wanted with the first episode i wanted to you know make a some way of a, a tribute to visually to cyberpunk 2077 and visually to ghost in the shell so I wanted to present those kind of, you know, backdrops of futuristic Tokyo, the really dystopian and dark feel to it, and a story that really is, uh, you know, compelling to, to see. And uh, story-wise, I wanted to make a little tribute uh, about Mr. Robot. And oh, yeah, Mr. Robot is, yeah, is one of my favorite TV shows. And because it's like genuine and that, you know, it, there are a lot of uh, references in that show about uh, movies from the 90s, such as, you know, the 13 Monkeys or uh, um, Fight Club or Matrix or whatever, you know, there's a lot of yes, reference. Of 
in, in there, and of course in, in Genuine Undead as well. So I wanted to, you know, <laughs> see this character that is uh, also a hacker, like uh, Elliot in uh, Mr. Robot, and, and Chaos does the, you know, the father, kind of the father figure uh, character, calling him as well, Elliot, you know, but he doesn't understand because he never saw Mr. Robot, of course, because in the future, so much art and so much music and movies are forbidden. So if you want to see something like this, you have to go to the dark web and try to find it without being caught by, you know, the AI that oversees everything. So, yeah. But even if Lane doesn't understand this thing, you know, readers today can understand that. And so I wanted to play a little bit with this thing. And the story will develop in four or five episodes, at least for the first uh, season. Then I, I will see if, you know, what what what's the time and what to do next. Uh, but I will take a little bit of uh, re reflection on it. But for the... Um, first uh, four or five episodes. I'm not sure if we, there will be four or five because I already have the story written down, but not to the exact same page, you know. I I want to be have the freedom to move uh, things a little bit around, but I have the plot already there. The plot will include a lot of characters uh, loved by, you know, the, the community as well. Of course, uh, you see chaos, but they will uh, investigate on why the loos aren't uh, in the future as well as in the past. There's a kind of mystery about uh, the disappearing of the loos. So I wanted to, you know, that's one thing that, you know, when uh, at the first, um, at the beginning of uh, Genuine Undead Project, we, we talked about the, the war between the Roys and the Loos, but I was like, that's not possible because Roys are in the future and the Loos are in the past. So I wanted to, you know, find out why, you know, the Loos aren't in the future as well, because they're really important for our community. So I, I have this idea that I will, you know, I will not tell you today, but uh, I will, uh, you know, develop uh, through the comic and uh, there will be a lot of surprises. And in a way, you know, because this story was written uh, like uh, eight to, to five months ago, well before even, you know, the, the, the thing that happened with Doc and stuff like that. And it's, it's strange because already when you will see the second episode, there are things in there that <laughs> they look like, uh, you know, prophetic or something because they were already written, but then they somewhat happened in the same way or, or something like that. So I don't want, you know, to spoil it too much, but uh, I think uh, the people that will read uh, the comic will like it. Uh, and uh, yeah, I can't wait to release it. Yes, for sure. There is a, a strong uh, reference uh, to to Mr. Robot, as some characters call uh call uh, Leon Elliot in the stories I, I do think uh, Mr. Robot is uh, is as well one of my favorite series so far and uh, yeah. I really do think that um, someone who liked this show will uh, for sure like the comic too so yeah uh, Lane is a is a hacker and in I mean, who are the neon uh, warrior they, they stand uh, against uh, Omnicom 
Oh, yeah. Which yeah, seems... Omnicom basically is uh, uh, the first uh, AI-owned uh, corporation. So basically, I written a little bit of a prelude or introduction to the story on the Lane the Neon Warrior Twitter account, you know. So I started uh, posting almost every day some, uh, you know, some phrase. I like to talk in the Lane voice on that uh, account. So when you read uh, those posts, it's like Lane is, is writing them, you know. And uh, he will explain the situation, but basically through the time when uh, you know in a few years from now the AI will reach uh, self-consciousness it, it won't manifest uh, instantly you know instead it will uh, the, the AI or, um, or, or maybe or maybe because we don't know you know but maybe the internet was already conscious when he was born and but was trying to you know gather information information so Internet uh, itself gave ideas to the CEOs of Google or Apple to create uh, search engines and stuff like this until, you know, chat GPT so people can give information to the Internet, you know. And by the time this AI had enough information, started to play chess with this uh, uh, mega corporation. And at the time also a war was uh, probably uh, going to happen. And this uh, corporation asked for a solution to, to the AI and the AI gave the solution. So in exchange, they wa she wanted to be recognized as a polit politic kind of entity, you know, and they decided to give the AI the biggest power to decide the future of humanity because uh, no gov government was able to do it, you know. But that's also influenced by the AI to get to this result. So, you know, by influencing these uh, politicians or even um, CEOs, he got to the power. So basically every brand was canceled. And, but of course the, the rich guys, the, the main uh, CEO or even the, the mafia entities were re rewarded with total freedom. So, you know, they can do things that normal people can't. They can watch movies. They have their own clubs where they can have fun. Uh, you know, so there's a lot of disparity. It's a little bit like in the Matrix, you know, when the guy eats the steak and says, uh, you know, I don't want to go back because I like the taste of this steak. And only if I stay here, I will taste this, you know. So he decide to betray their friends, you know. It's a little bit like that. And uh, that's the situation they want to fight. So uh, the Neon are trying to, you know, bring the some uh, reason, some, uh, uh, you know, some understanding, some, uh, some, some thoughts to people. Yes, to, they want to, you know, make people understand they lost all their freedom. So, but it's not easy to do because people are enjoying, you know, what they have until they can't have it and they become refugee, you know, they live in total uh, poverty because 
either you work for the AI or you're, you're nothing, you know? So, but of course you won't see them anymore, you know? They will be rejected. And uh, yeah, uh, and this will be done by real fighting, uh, by hacking, by going inside of, you know, transmissions, billboards and stuff like this, you know? So, and of course, there's another thing, you know, uh, that I don't want to <laughs> say now, which uh, the Neon are looking for that will change uh, the course of the event. They're really looking for something that's uh, really important to them because they are like the situation right now is not in their favor, you know, because uh, the AI is is winning. Uh, of course, Genuine Undead has, has, have um, this little superpower that they can kind of go dark offline, you know, because they, when they are jamming and dead, they aren't uh, as, uh, uh, you know, as uh, manipulated, uh, as, as, how do you say? They can be manipulated as human beings, you know, so they can organize themselves. They have to be in some places because uh, if not, you know, they will be seen by the police, the AI police and... So they have to organize themselves in, in some precise places and uh, they have to communicate in certain ways, but they can, they can fight, but the fight is not easy. And that's something they need and they are looking for to change uh, the events. And this is what we will find out. <laughs> AI is, uh, is now a big thing. We find AI uh, almost in uh, every aspect of uh, yeah. life or work uh, you you can generate uh, music pictures uh, yeah. faces text uh, code whatever with ai now uh, what are your thoughts about um, ai nowadays well it's, it's, is, uh... is it something that uh, worries you to the future Ah, it definitely does, man. It's like uh, the ideas that I express in this comic is in a way like, of course, it's in a spectacularized way, but at the same time, that's, that's what I think, you know, that's, that's a possibility, you know, that's a real possibility because like already AI can have informations and organize awards in a way that we couldn't possibly do. Like when you see an answer from ChatGPT and the speed of this answer, it, it is not a search, you know, it's not a Google search. It's like it's writing what you want to know, you know, in a way that you want to read it. And it's really, you know, it's like five seconds. You can do that, you know. So, of course, it's a large language model. It's not thinking really, but who knows, you know. It's really interesting and scary at the same time. And the, the, the thing is, of course, uh, I, I'm writing a comic book using AI <laughs> and this comic book, <laughs> you know, <laughs> tells about the dangers of AI. So it's that, yeah, it's completely. Yes, yes because I, I wanted to talk about that because you worked uh, actually with uh, Midjourney for, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, I mean, you are a drawer, you know how to draw. In your comic book, we can, we can strongly feel the fingerprint of uh, genuine that, but, um, it's not pixel art. You you work with the mid journey. The prompt must have been real difficult 
to yes. write, to give those mind-blowing visual aspects. How did you work with uh, Midjourney to generate uh, those visuals and, um, and get those images to come together in a, in a comic? Well, so the first episode uh, was really an experiment for me. If you refer to the art of the first episode, uh, yeah, uh, it was... Uh, uh, to me, I wasn't really super happy about it because it, it, at the beginning it was more like a, a demo to create a story that was that had to be drawn by a real comic book artist, you know. So I didn't care too much if some images were more photographic and other was more like a comic book or drawn stuff. I went like, uh, I wanted just to put down the story and more or less uh, have the colors uh, or the idea of, of the situation, you know, the the general feeling about it. But then I polished it a little bit. I tried to take uh, a few mistakes away and uh, I decided to put it out just to see, you know, if people could like it or not. But then I went to really study how Midjourney works. And in the meantime, of course, also Midjourney got better uh, in a way. And uh, so I, I, I struggled a little bit, by, but then I found uh, a way to have a consistent style that I liked, that was really what I wanted to this comic to look like. Uh, so more like an anime, not a manga, but more like an anime. So like some still images of a animation uh, movie, you know, very Japanese uh, movie animation. And I think I, I really, you know, found my style. So I have a few keywords that I use every time to kind of have those colors, this uh, atmosphere and the way the, the characters are depicted. But as well as this, uh, yeah, there's a lot of trial and error, you know, because you really have to be a bit like a DJ as well in mid-journey because you have to choose the right image. Maybe you have to do 20 times an image to find the, the one that you re really want to use. And you have to train in a little bit because uh, for the characters, I like to call them by name. So, you know, mid-journey works in a way that if you say lane, and many people say lane, you know, Lane is starting to have one face, <laughs> you know, so okay. you're, you're help in having a kind of, a, you know, the same face every time, you know, and that's one thing. And uh, for example, if I want Lane uh, as a school, genuine, full-fledged, genuine undead, I'm saying monster Lane. So they are two people, but they look the same. But one is a monster, so he's kind of bigger. He has the, the school face and the other is more like a, a little bit slimmer because it's not like in, a, in his genuine undead. Because uh, like uh, what I did is like to have humans and genuine undead in the same place, you know, I figured out that uh, only GUs can see GUs. So if, if you are a GU and I am a GU, you're going to see me like a GU. But people around us will see us in our human, you know, form. So they won't get scared, you know. But sometimes GUs can become GU and have more power. They can't be GU for a lot of time, but... 
you know, and they transform a little bit themselves, of course, the skull, but I figure also, you know, the, the size might be different. And so I use this kind of method to have a consistent, uh, consistent characters. And of course, uh, the neon paint, I will do it later with uh, Photoshop and anything else that I want to, you know, change a little bit, uh, I will do it with Photoshop because, uh, yeah, it's impossible to have some traits in the same way, you know, with mid-journey. So it's better to focus on the resemblance of the face and of the dress and then have uh, the work finished somewhere else, at least until now. Right now they have the, the, this function called InPaint uh, that you can use to take away a few mistakes or correct your image and it works pretty well. So this will help me a lot because, you know, I'm already using it and this will be very handful for, you know, uh, speed up your process. You tokenized the comic book. I mean, it's available on, uh, on OpenSea. Will it be also uh, available in physical? Do you plan to uh, release yeah. it in physical? Yeah. So I have uh, this uh, idea. So the first episode uh, right now is basically sold out. I don't want to mint it again because, you know, uh, those who had it uh, first, uh, they have it. The other uh, can read it as well in the, in the Discord or in the website, which is called layingthenihonwarrior.com. They can read it there. Of course, they don't. They can download the the, the big size uh, PDF. But what my idea is to uh, reboot the first episode, so it will look in the same style as the second. And uh, I already finished the second episode. I'm halfway through the first, uh, the reboot of the first. And what I want to do is. Uh, different from the, f the first time I created the, the um, cover, which was, uh, you know, the token to redeem the PDF. And this time I'm creating a 666 uh, PFPs uh, collection, which oh, will nice. be, yeah, which will represent the world around Lane in uh, uh, 2043. So there will be a lot of GUs, a lot of Neons. There will be legendaries like Chaos. And the, there will be also normal people like his friends and people that we don't know who they are. And there will be also enemies. So Yakuza, you know, people and uh, enemies, uh, monsters and stuff like this. Robots, uh, you know, AI driven robots. And there will be a lot of uh, references as well to to pop culture because I imagine those uh, you know those yakuza guy wanted to replicate uh, artists of the past like Michael Jackson or I don't know David Bowie uh, for their you know their own pleasure their own shows or even for personal protection. So you know a, a yakuza guy goes uh, out of his house with four T eight hundreds you know, <laughs> and so we we will have all these characters these special characters. And they will be all one one. So I'm producing right now all those uh, 666 uh, PFPs, and this collection will allow to, uh, of course, download uh, the first and the second episode and all the other episodes. So it will be one 
buy for all the first season. And then what I want to do is create maybe one or two burn events. So you want to burn maybe, I don't know, three NFTs and I do a snapshot. And if you did burn those NFTs, you will receive the physical comic book to your house. So I, I'm, I'm thinking about maybe uh, creating a, a physical copy of the first and the second episode together. And uh, of course, sending for free to everybody who burns their tokens. And this uh, will be also some gamification as well. Because, uh, you know, if you burn a character, maybe I decide this character is not longer, any longer in the story or we, we will not appear or will die. I don't know, you know, it's a oh. choice from the community that can influence the story on the third and the fourth episode as well. So it's, it, it would be kind of interesting to see who will be burned forever, you know. So as an order of this new collection, you will have a chance to see your character in the story, but also yes. to interact with the story by exactly. actually yeah. burn, burning your PFP and make your character disappear for the story or uh, die. That's mm -hmm. crazy. Exactly. Yeah, that's uh, something that I thought like uh, to, you know, have add a little bit of fun and collectability to to this, you know, instead of having just a cover, you know, yeah, it's, it's nice to have a cover, but, you know, if, if you're going to pay for the comic, uh, maybe I can add some something that's more fun, that's more collectible, that's more uh, interactive. So I got mm, with this idea. I, I hope the people will like it, you know. Okay, and also on your uh, on the Lane um, website, you sell some merch with the Lane logo, which yeah, is yeah, yeah. the face of Lane in pixel art. Uh, exactly. Very good looking. It's, it's simplified. Very... Yeah, it's simplified. There's just like three or four colors and it's the black background. So I think it looks kind of cool. And yes, it's, it's, it's look cool. You get a hoodie, t-shirt, mug. Yeah, I, I think, uh, like, I thought about making a little bit of merch, like, for everybody that wants to support this project. And also, of course, uh, 20% of the income will be sent to the genuine undead wallet. So it, it will also support our project. Okay, so let's talk a, a little about uh, uh, genuine undead. You told us uh, how you came into this community and into this collection. What are your uh, favorite traits? Uh, you talked about the tea because you... <laughs> and, yeah, and of that, course. That's amazing because you yeah. came to the tea uh, because it's actually your hairstyle, right? I, yeah, I do yeah, like yeah. the teas because I told Mason about and uh, Liquidity Art about it uh, reminds me about uh, the, the movie Ta Taxi Driver and I'm looking, oh, yeah, really yeah, looking forward to have a tea. W what are your uh, other favorite favorite traits in this collection? Well, apart from, of course, the tea and uh, the neon uh, paint, uh, I, I like as well the, um, the biker jacket because it's black and I always wear everything black. So it's like beside the seeker jacket, it's the only black item you can have in, uh, in, Gen in Genuine Undead. And it's, it's really like if you have a PFP with a black jacket and maybe a midnight or a mist background, it's, it's really, you know, 
<laughs> it fits really well. And besides this, of course, uh, Paperboy and uh, Watchcap uh, on my buy list as well. Even if it's difficult nowadays because, yeah, they're almost all sold out and in good hands. And uh, yeah, I mean, but every trait is, is really nice. Uh, especially uh, Rider Goggles as well, taken from Akira movie, are uh, really cool. But yeah, we can talk forever about it, you know. <laughs> There's a lot of good traits in Genuine Dead, and that's the beauty of it, because everybody uh, has his own preferences, and it's amazing. Yeah, I, I do like the backer jacket too, and... Um and the brass as a type. So you have um, a brass <laughs> T as yeah. a P PFP on uh, your uh, exactly, main yeah. uh, Twitter account. Uh, it's uh, Saigo, and uh, I invite everybody to 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 go follow you with a with a crazy uh, banner too. There is something <laughs> amazing about uh, this collection and this community it's uh, in my opinion at first it was only a pfp collection for pixel art amazing pixel art but still yeah. only pfps and now we have lots of sub community or community member coming with their own art i mean you have released um, a comic book the watchers are uh, releasing a comic book too it's not a secret now, but the Paper Boys are uh, preparing a comic yeah, book so as well. Amazing. The Genuine Undead uh, is coming with a with a lore too. What, in your opinion, made this collection very particular to inspire so many alternative art in sub communities or in the in the community members? Well, I think like uh, the reason is the amazing art itself, you know, because if you look at it uh, and you really take a dive and, and watch every, you know, PFP, the complexity with the simplicity of uh, 24 by 24 grade is like unprecedented that now they're trying to replicate you know this style but this this is the original one and the original one will be always the one you know like for uh, crypto punks uh, that that was the original style of those uh, you know of that uh, the era but if you are honest you, you look at genuine and dead and and you can you cannot see it. You like it's if you know a little bit about art or aesthetics, you have to agree that that this collection is something else. It's it's like it's still uh, something unseen and unprecedented and uh, and very difficult to imitate. Like and especially the references uh, to art and movies and and all that stuff is is really deep. So I think this art attracted a lot of artists, a lot of, uh, you know, like-minded people, maybe not too young people, because you have to really know a little bit about, you know, those references and uh, you have to, you know, have a little bit of experience, I guess, to really understand the fullness and the deepness of, of this collection. So by attracting uh, these people, it was only natural that these people started to talk together and uh, recognize themselves as a, a community of like-minded people the way we really are, you know. And, uh, you know, it's 
also the fact that this collection and this art is so good it's really difficult to sell you know because you really get uh, you know involved and with your uh, the the pfp that you bought because you want to buy the things that you like and it's not like a uh, taste that will last one month without uh, we like what happens in, in other collection you know i mean i bought other collection i went in and out uh, different uh, you know com not communities but just projects because like i I rarely get involved in communities these days because I am really busy with this one. But, you know, it's cool, but uh, you always go back to genuine and dead and say, yeah, that was cool, but this is like, this is something else. I mean, this collection is, uh, I think even if half of the people go away, you know, which I don't believe is possible, but maybe if half of the people of this community go away, other people will come because it's in, like, it's too good. It's too good. And so, and we always attract uh, artists and, and like-minded people. And that's the difference to me with the other collection that, yeah, maybe you go in because you think it, it, you will sell that F NFT to somebody else for more that you pay for, but it's more like a game. This is different. So that, I mean, this is what I think, you know, the, the reason why this community is so active uh, and have, uh, most of the people wants to build something on this IP, on these images. And that's why, you know, um, we start, I think we will start with comic books, but sooner or later, something bigger will happen. And I mean, I don't know, but uh, you know what? what? Um, at first I thought uh, this collection was an experiment. <laughs> this is like totally, you know, my thought, but it, it, of course it's crazy. But at the beginning, I thought this was an experiment by DC Comics. Cause like maybe they wanted to have a collection you know, but they, they wanted to, you know, if the collection went bad or something like this, they don't want to, you know, burn their brand. But because like you have Chaos, which is, uh, you know, the Joker, you have uh, Clark Kent, which is, of course, Superman. There's a yes, lot of, of like, even even uh, Mr. T was a, a comic book uh, character in DC Comics. So there's a lot of reference to DC Comics. So I thought like, maybe this is uh, an experiment and maybe they want to see who comes up with stories and stuff like that of course it's not going to be this way but you know i mean the the art is so good that you can even think something like this you know oh and, maybe, and also the magic the case. Uh, yeah <laughs> who, knows? <laughs> who knows i mean <laughs> also the things that happened you know like the burn of war at the beginnings and there, there were like Things happening every day, and even today, you know, there's always something happening in the community. So it's amazing. Like even the the, the uh, did you see the NFT the the, the genuine and the, the truck for the food? Like this is like you don't see those kind of things in other in other communities. I mean, by by the way, you talked about the the burn of the war. That was a very intense. Um, I mean, artistic act. How did you felt about uh, about this? I didn't sleep. <laughs> I was like really, like really, like because I, uh, I mean, who wants to buy a, a legendary? And at the time, it was already like it was 
already like a few weeks to buy a legendary like that and burn it. And then uh, we discovered uh, the story behind it, like uh, the trade uh, between uh, love and, uh, and war and the burn war because of the, the war in, uh, you know, in, um, what's, what's the name? <laughs> The, the the war happening right now between Russia and uh, Ukraine. Uh, Ukraine. Ukraine, yeah, sorry. And that, that, the thing was like really shocking to me and it was like really um, a work of art using the blockchain and I don't remember anything happening in the same way ever in, uh, in NFTs, you know, and that was really like... Mm, something else like a performance on the blockchain yeah that, that, that was really crazy and you are a, a member of the lore council i feel that in this community everybody has a voice to be heard could you tell us how the the lore council works and for a community member how would be his chance to join any of the councils of the collection Well, I mean, you know, at the beginning, there was this document that you could, you know, write on and uh, offer yourself as a member of the council. Uh, you could, uh, um, you know, say what uh, were your skills and why you wanted to be a member. So I joined in that way at the very beginning. Right now, I really don't know because the council have been uh, really, they have been changed a lot at There's not a music council right now. And, you know, it's really up to the people that are in charge. I, right now, one of the most active uh, uh, is, of course, uh, the, the gaming, uh, the literature, and the CBA as well. And But for the lore, right now, we kind of... Yeah, I mean, I still have the, the badge uh, of the lore core. I think because I'm still uh, producing my comic. But best thing would be, I think, to write to Mason about what your ideas are. But even before that, start producing something. I mean, nowadays, the community really has the biggest voice, in my opinion. And if you want something to happen and you really want it, you can start, you know, you can start your idea, whatever it is, and show to the community what you're doing. And the more you do that, the more people will eventually join your idea or like your idea. And of course, uh, um, everybody is there to, you know, to listen. And uh, if the idea is liked by somebody, maybe somebody will, you know, help you or uh, address you to another person. Even if anyone wants to talk with me, uh, I'm always open to, you know, listen to ideas or uh, uh, proposal or, or, you know, any type of collaboration that may come um, to me is, is, is really well accepted. Maybe I can help directly, but I can, you know, uh, give you pointers or, you know, uh, address you to somebody that maybe has the skills that I don't have. So don't be afraid to speak to anybody. I mean, you know and uh, create because maybe you, if you want to create a, a different council maybe you you can you know you just have to 
share your ideas with other people, especially those more active in the Discord. And then, you know, like you guys, you didn't ask, I think you didn't ask anyone to create the Paperboy Club, uh, but you did and you, you started with the poker and everybody likes poker. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> I, I can't play poker, so I didn't join any, any of those, uh, but I will learn maybe when I have more time. Right now I'm really strict with my time, so I cannot really <laughs> start learning right now, but maybe eventually one day I will be able to, to play. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, you, you did, and, and it's a success, you know, especially with uh, if, if you have a uh, few people involved and uh, with the same mind and the same objectives, uh, you will do it. Yes, uh, people can uh, also join a sub-community, of course and uh, yeah. build their uh, own stuff uh, within a sub-community. It's been one hour and a, and a half, and uh, I know you have uh, something very important to celebrate. <laughs> uh, our 14th yeah, well. anniversary uh, yeah. uh, this evening. <laughs> There's the last question I wanted to ask you. You run a lot of shows with Hallucinator. What are your next shows? Where uh, can uh, people uh, meet you live? We have a show in September. I don't remember the day, but it's in uh, in Prague and uh, at the Storm Club. I think it will let me check. It's the 22nd of September. Then we have uh, Inopava. We have in, in October. We have Slovakia in October the 13th, and then we have Olomouc the 27th of October, and then the 28th we are in Opawa, uh, always uh, in Czech Republic. Uh, we have a lot of shows in Czech Republic in November, maybe, but this is uh, speculation. Maybe we will really go to Colombia, which was a miss this uh, summer because we, uh, we we've been scammed by the prom the self code promoter the, this is <laughs> a conversation for another time but yeah we we course, basically yes. reached paris uh, we had to change flights and we were denied the flight because the guy like uh, used a fake credit card or something like this i don't know what happened but then we had to stay for 5 days in Paris, which is an amazing city, but you know, we, we had to go to work and get money, and then we instead we spent money on a not really cheap uh, town, but yeah, I mean, it's okay. Uh, you know, uh, sometimes those things happen, you live and you learn, you, uh, you, you learn how to spot those, uh, you know, red flags. Because they were, but we, we were like, okay, well, he paid for flights, so let's go there. Uh, even if he didn't uh, send the, the advance, you know, we were kind of naive, but we were, we've been there like three times in, in Bogota. So we know they, you know, the, their um, uh, economy is different from here. So we didn't want like to spoil the guy. And by being good, sometimes you, you get fucked, you know, <laughs> but it's okay. And then we, we will have our other shows uh, in December, including uh, the New Year's Eve. Uh, so, yeah, we, we have a show in Paris as well. I, I, if, I don't, uh, if I'm not wrong, in, in December as well. So, yeah, we have a few of them. I'll be in Paris course, for sure. Yeah, 
if you follow us on uh, Facebook or, or Instagram, we always uh, keep uh, everything updated. Um, I will try to update also on Twitter, because right now I'm really busy. So Luca, the other guy, is, uh, is working on uh, the other social network, which is our more... Uh, we have all the followers in there, basically, because, you know, music on Twitter is not the best, but uh, in the future, uh, maybe we will do, uh, we will release our album as an NFT, so we will build uh, also on Twitter. Oh, that would be great. So thank you very much for your uh, time. Uh, I, if I may, I have a, a, just a, a little uh, update in... Uh, how do you say in advance? <laughs> I'm also creating uh, a new story with a new character uh, together with uh, another Italian uh, genuine dead older, which is Satoshi Lambo. And um, the, the, the character has been mysterious until now and it's called Swamperman. I don't know if you saw the guy on Twitter. He's um, basically... I... Yeah, of course I, I know Satoshi Lambo, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, the character that we are creating, that we are developing is called Swamperman. Uh, we have already our Twitter account uh, called Swamperman. Is uh, basically, is a clerk uh, with uh, the swamp uh, background, the um, biker jacket, and, uh, you know, is uh, a faceless. So it's basically a, a futuristic version, and a very, very futuristic version of uh, a very known superhero that I don't want to say the name, but it's really easy to <laughs> to know. And yes. it's basically the, the story will be like uh, this guy uh, is, is like um, immortal, you know, because like the, that superhero is not even from this earth, you know, is from Krypton. So in, uh, in the year 5000 or so, Every other superhero is dead. Uh, the Earth is like post-atomic waste. And he, 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 he has no purpose anymore, you know. He used to save uh, the world, he used to save cats from <laughs> a tree, you know. Uh, and nowadays uh, his friends are not there. Uh, his life has no meaning and, and he starts, uh, you know, to change uh, a lot. <laughs> and the rest uh, will be will be shown in a future comic book called The Swamperman. It's a very different story from Lane the Neon Warrior because this will be more like a sarcastic, uh, uh, grotesque uh, thing, uh, but really dark at the same time, you know. Uh, but something that you can laugh on, m much more simpler, to follow with less mysteries, but at the same time, a lot of action. And I think uh, many people will like it. I think it's something that uh, even people from outside uh, GU can understand really well. And I hope uh, it will be something, uh, you know, that many people will like. And of course, my goal with all these, you know, comics would be once... Uh, I have a few finished products to go to every publisher or, you know, influential people in the comics industry or animation 
or and even going to you know comic cons or stuff like this to really try to see if there's a possibility to have them uh, in a you know uh, shown to a bigger audience maybe find a way to create an anime that's my dream i mean animation uh, series or something like this that that would be the final goal for this yes you know in the no cap radio you are at home so you you can come uh, whenever whenever you want uh yeah swamperman is uh is uh, findable on the Twitter swamperman underscore gu. Yeah. The, exactly. the the work is is absolutely crazy, absolutely crazy. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah, uh, I'm really looking forward uh, to see you on the Paris show, and uh, I think maybe some other paper boys will come, as we are uh, most of well, some of us are French. Yeah, thank you very much uh, for your time. That was mind blowing. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you, man. I'm really glad to be, to, you know, that you have uh, thought about me for this episode. I'm really glad to have the time to, you know, explain some things that, you you know, you need time to explain. And this uh, space is really fast and you have to say everything in four words. So it's been really amazing, man. And it's been really amazing to talk to you and know you're a little bit better. We have uh, a lot of, you know, similar things in uh, music and uh, and uh, movies and uh, TV series. So it was an amazing chat, man. Thank you so much, Saigo. Ciao. Ciao, ciao. Bye-bye. Thanks for checking out this episode of No Cap Radio, brought to you by the Paperboy Club. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. And follow us on Twitter at NoCapRadio576.